1: Hello and welcome to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday live all across the grid. Plenty to break down for you as we look ahead to week number 14 of this National Football League regular season. Just five weeks remain the playoff hunt is front and center and some big news around the NFL yesterday. But we start with the biggest news of them all. Breaking news on this Wednesday morning, Judge has signed. Aaron Judge is returning to the New York Yankees. A large deal, nine years, $360 million. It is the largest sum, the biggest contract in the history of Major League Baseball free agency that is a 40 million dollar aav in annual yearly salary the third highest in all of mlb only behind max scherzer and justin verlander two guys who also play their baseball in new york this is coming after the winter meetings for major league baseball in san diego a big big contract for Aaron Judge. Entering last season, the Yankees reportedly offered Aaron Judge an eight-year deal around $230 million. Aaron Judge turned it down. He bet on himself and had a historic season in pinstripes. 62 home runs, the American League single season record. So yes, Aaron Judge betting on himself pays off in a big way an extra year on this long-term deal and over a hundred million dollars more 130 to be exact again a nine-year 360 million dollar deal to keep Aaron Judge in pinstripes it was a historic 2022 season for Aaron Judge and following that he gets his big payday to remain in the Bronx and play for the New York Yankees it was all very hectic Yesterday, on what really is the final day of the Major League Baseball winter meetings in San Diego. There were some reports out there from Major League Baseball insiders that Aaron Judge was going to spurn the Yankees and head to San Francisco. Those turned out not to be true, but there seemed as though there was some steam for Aaron Judge to go play his baseball in the Bay. Some reported contract figures around this price of 360 million dollars reportedly as well aaron judge flying into san diego last minute yesterday to have some final meetings and make his final decision and he got the number and the years on the contract he needed from the team that you see right there the new york yankees again 62 home runs last year an american league single season record 131 rbis and 311 at the dish as well of course winning american league mvp he turned down a contract extension entering last year to bet on himself and he gets paid in a big way nine year 360 million dollars for aaron judge and because of that some market movement for the new york yankees today and the only market available right now on the FanDuel sportsbook as we forecast next year in major league baseball the world series market for 2023, the Yankees now by themselves have the third best price in all of the bigs. The Astros, the reigning World Series champs, are the favorites. The Dodgers not far behind, and the Yankees move up by 50 cents. A 9 to 1 number yesterday, now the Bronx Bombers plus 8. 50. a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the opening hour of the morning after live all across the grid Sirius XM channel 159 and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well I am Ben Stevens breaking news on this Wednesday morning the Aaron Judge sweepstakes have come to a close and Aaron Judge will remain in the Bronx as a member of the New York Yankees but for a very hefty price tag as Aaron Judge bets on himself and gets rewarded nine years of 360 million dollars is the deal for Aaron Judge to remain in pinstripes it is the third highest annual average salary in all of Major League Baseball 40 million dollars a year only behind Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander who both play in New York as well but for the team in Queens not in the Bronx in the Mets and because of that like we just mentioned some movement in that World Series market the Yankees moving past the Mets they were tied for the third best price yesterday for the 2023 World Series in Major League Baseball now the Yankees buy themselves with the third best price, plus 850. They were nine to one yesterday, 50 cents taken off the number after it is official. Aaron Judge signing with the New York Yankees. Not official as of yet, but the reports out there certainly. This is the hectic time of the hot stove as we get rolling in the major league baseball offseason. We have seen some big deals. Justin Verlander for the Mets, Trey Turner headed to Philadelphia, and some other big contracts yesterday. Speaking of those fills. Taiwan Walker, four years, $72 million. Josh Bell, two years, 33 mil to head to Cleveland. A one-year, $17.5 million deal for Cody Bellinger as he gets ready to go to Chicago, the 2019 MVP, but has hit just 203 in the three seasons since. And the Giants did have a signing yesterday. Mitch Hanniger, a three-year 43 and a half million dollar deal there were some that looked at that price with all the reports that Aaron Judge was maybe heading to San Francisco and said do they have the money they did but Aaron Judge ultimately makes his decision he returns to New York as a member of the Yankees nine years 360 million dollars we go to the big news out of the National Football League up next live right here on the morning After. Joe Ranieri joins the show big signings all across the sports world live right here on a Wednesday morning on the morning after on sports grid I am Ben Stevens we are uh, very pleased to sign on our guy Joe Ranieri live right here on this Wednesday on TMA as well Joe Aaron Judge remains a Yankee a nine-year 360 million dollar deal some signings yesterday in the National Football League that will break down and how they affect the home stretch of this regular season but first Aaron Judge remains in pinstripes, Joe, for $40 million a year. Your reaction?
2: Well, you know, he's almost making as much as you and I do here at Sports Grid. Uh, But it was uh, well done. Uh, Congratulations uh, there, Aaron Judge. And congratulations, Yankee fans. This is now out of the way. We can stop talking about it uh, because this team has so many other needs that they have to fill here. So I'm glad this thing didn't drag out any more than it needed to, Ben. He's going to be a Yankee for life. Love it. Awesome. Whether he overpaid or not really doesn't matter at this point. What matters is that they figure out what's going on in that bullpen. They figure out if they can sign Carlos Rodon. And, uh, oh, yeah, can they get Correa in uh, pinstripes to play shortstop for the next 10 years? Those are some questions we need to answer, Cashman.
1: Overpaid is all relative. Your general manager's right. last name is Cashman. Go pay people all that they deserve. You're the Yankees. Done. You have the biggest payroll pretty much in all of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So nine years, $360 million for Aaron Judge. <laughs> 62 home runs last year, of course, the American League single season record. Not quite 360 in terms of million dollars for. Baker Mayfield, but he has a new (laughs) home. He will now Mm -hmm. be a Los Angeles Ram. The Rams claiming Baker off of waiver wires yesterday, Joe Ranieri, after he Mm -hmm. was cut by the Carolina Panthers. $1.35 million is all that remains on the one year deal. Baker signed with Carolina. The Rams will pay out the remainder of that. Joe, Thursday night football. The Rams get us started in week 14, hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. There were some reports that maybe baker in this quick turnaround could play for sean McVay because of course Mm. matthew stafford seems as though he is sidelined for the remainder of this year whether it's tomorrow night which doesn't seem all that likely or at some point in the final month of this nfl regular season joe does baker mayfield really give la that much of a boost
2: um no Uh, but uh, that's not to be expected. I love the move from the Ram standpoint because it does a couple of things. Number one, it prevents your arch rival uh, from getting a much-needed backup situation that they have there, number one. Number two, by claiming him and getting him in there, A, he can play right away because he's healthy. You don't have a whole lot of options, so it fills the need. It also gives you an opportunity to take a look here and see what he's got going on because if he signs someplace else next year, they get a compensatory pick from him. And basically, he's filled the need, so there is, it's a win-win, and these come very rarely, uh, Ben, but it's win-win for the Rams and for Baker Mayfield. He gets to stay relevant as a starting quarterback, he gets to yeah. showcase his skills, and oh yeah, if he signs someplace else, they get a pick for it here, Ben. Who saw that coming?
1: Joe as we look at this segment there's a lot to break down some interesting lines entering week number 14 the Raiders a six and a half point Mm -hmm. road and I say that in air quotes for a reason because there's going to be a lot of black and silver in Los Angeles tomorrow night inside SoFi but a six and a half point favorite against the reigning Super Bowl champs in the Rams Mm -hmm. although they are not playing to that level the postseason question here Joe this part of the equation is Las Vegas they were two and seven Following week number 10, plus 3,100 to make the AFC playoffs. They have rattled off three straight wins, covering in all three of those games. Still a ton of ground to make up in the AFC postseason picture, but their odds now, Joe, plus 3,100 to make the playoffs just a couple of weeks ago. Now, plus 760. Still a long shot from the odds perspective, but the Raiders have that supreme motivation at this point, Joe, I'm glad you bring up Baker Mayfield and the correlation to the rest of the NFC West because mm-hmm. after Jimmy Garoppolo's maybe not season ending injury and Baker Mayfield was cut by Carolina, the natural idea was all right, the Niners are going to come calling and try to get Baker Mayfield off the waiver wire. Well, the Rams sign him off of waivers, so Brock Purdy is going to be the starter for San Francisco, Joe. I'm slightly intrigued by this number, that the Niners are still a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite against Tampa Bay. Where do you think Brock Purdy most affects the Niners in terms of when it comes to that spread?
2: It's interesting, uh, Ben, because I was real curious to see what this kid, against a pretty good Dolphins defense, right, uh, gets thrust into a game rather early, and you're thinking, all right, Shanahan, here we go. Hand off left, hand off right, Debo Samuel sweep, right? Here we." Instead, he's got this guy dropping back 30-some-odd times in the game, Ben. And can I tell you something? If you didn't know nothing about Mr. Irrelevant here, the last pick in the draft, that he was a third-string quarterback, Ben, You, if you just turned on the set, you'd be like, oh, wow, this guy... This guy's really serviceable here, like he's been doing it his entire uh, career in the NFL. And yet, uh, I could not, what he told you, Shanahan, was that he's got the utmost confidence in what Purdy brings to the table by allowing him opportunity after opportunity to actually lose that game for him, and the kid didn't. So we'll see what happens this week. But isn't that the beauty of the 49ers offense in Shanahan? You don't need the quarterback to do a whole heck of a lot. The only thing you need them to do is not lose the game, a la Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't know that you're going to lose an awful lot here. And let's say this week, obviously, but next week, the week after, I think the odds are going to get better for the 49ers once the market sees what this kid can do.
1: They already have gotten better from five to one following week 13. And that injury to Jimmy Garoppolo now plus 450. Maybe some of that storm starting to settle for San Francisco. By the way, a bit of news around Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday. He's not going Mm. to have surgery on that injured broken foot. And there is hope with rehab. He might be available Joe in about a month and a half, two months. For him to come back, though, and to play in a game, the Niners would have to be in at least the division around, given that reported timetable. If the Niners are there, though, Joe Ranieri, (laughs) that would make it seem like Brock Purdy's done a pretty good deal, and that plus 450 number for the Niners to win the NFC championship will be a heck of a lot shorter. But Joe, with some of the uncertainty, at least, having (laughs) Mr. Irrelevant, a rookie quarterback in there for San Francisco, The Niners feel may be susceptible to some in the NFC West. They have a one-game lead right now over the Seahawks, but Seattle has proven to us this year, Joe, they're, they're for real. They're going to continue to win football games. They are a strong and solid team. So do you think there's a chance for Seattle to catch San Francisco in the division?
2: um let me uh no absolutely not um it, one one thing else that is real is that uh, defense of seattle is hot garbage uh they could not stop any but you me we could hold hands we could run for 150 yards against that defense i mean you got to be kidding me here ben um the reality is the 49ers, all, all other things, quarterback situation aside, that's a Super Bowl-caliber defense. They have skill positions coming out of their ears. Uh, they have more than enough talent to run away with a NFC West division that uh, they are not going to be caught by seattle who apparently their quarterback and running back can't get on the same page because they're battling on the sidelines now so uh it's a mess in seattle much like we thought it was going to be to start the year
1: at least some good injury news for kenneth walker the third he left that game for the seahawks against the Mm. rams early on sunday this sunday seattle back in the pacific northwest a three and a half point favorite the niners as you saw from the odds still a heavy odds-on favorite to win the NFC West yep. Divisional crown they have a full game lead over Seattle at the moment and they took the first game in the season series so the advantage there I will say though Seattle minus 550 from that odds perspective to be an NFC playoff team as well some more interesting numbers for the Sunday slate in week number 14 in the National Football League we'll take that early approach with Joe Ranieri up next
0: Ooh
1: As we get you set for week number 14 of this NFL regular season, the Sunday slate features some very intriguing numbers. Joe Ranieri, the Detroit Lions are a Mm. a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home in the Motor City against the Minnesota Vikings. Welcome back to the morning after, by the way. Joe Ranieri is here for a second consecutive segment. I want to say that again, though, Joe, for the emphatic Mm -hmm. nature of that statement. At home in Detroit, sure, the Lions are a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the 10-and-2 Minnesota Vikings. Jr., how come?
2: Yeah, well, listen, uh, you know, Ben, I've been saying it uh, for the last month or so. Uh, if cats have nine lives, uh, the Vikings are 23 cats because they have more lives than I know. Uh, it's just amazing to me, Ben. They should not have won that game against the Jets. They should not have have won the Bills game. We're looking at 3 or 4 games already this year in which if the ball doesn't bounce their way, guy drops a pass, a penalty that you know that all eventually comes back to the middle at some point. You've got a Lions team right now who is getting better as the season goes on. The the Minnesota Vikings are getting luckier as the season goes on. The chance of that continuing is not going to be good they saw each other already one time this year right the lions if you're if you remember that game they jumped out to a 14 nothing lead and then the wheels fell off but that was early in the season um this is a much improved detroit team that's healthier than they've been all year they've got their weapons on offense the defense has been playing much better they are at home Um, yeah there is uh, I understand the line move and it happened quickly Ben that line flipped early this week uh, and I agree with it I think the Lions should not under any circumstance forget what you know about the Lions in the past this particular Lions team should not have been at home and been an underdog when that line opened much like the Raiders last week against the
1: Chargers very very true last week at home against the Jaguars The Detroit Lions Mm -hmm. were a favorite in the football game, laying a point and a half, two points against the Jags. It was just the second time in 36 games the Detroit Lions were a favorite, (laughs) dating back to week number 11 of the 2020 Mm. NFL season. You saw Jared Goff's stats right there. It was a huge game against Jacksonville last week. 31 of 41, 340 Mm -hmm. yards and two passing scores. So this will be the third time In two-and-a-half seasons, the Detroit Lions are a favorite, laying two-and-a-half against the Minnesota Vikings. Joe, when you look at Minnesota, a team that is very comfortable in these one-score tight and competitive football games. Of their ten wins Mm -hmm. this season, I'm looking at it right now, I believe all ten of them by a single score. Their highest (laughs) margin of victory came back in the middle of October, two straight games A 24-16 win against Miami, a 34-26 win against Arizona. That's eight points, but still a single score. It is interesting, Joe, when you throw in the wrinkle of the NFC North. With a victory on Sunday Mm -hmm. in Detroit, Minnesota clinches the division. In fact, even with a tie at the conclusion of Week 14. You can see how strongly favored the Vikings are at this point, so Joe, all of that also goes into this individual game that Minnesota is a greater than minus 20,000 favorite to win the NFC North, and they're an underdog on the road in the Motor City.
2: Yeah, that tells you what kind of uh, f- and look at the point differential, too, Ben. That'll tell you an awful lot with Minnesota as well. I mean, this can't. You can't sustain this through an 18-week season here in the NFL. You just can't. At some point, the regression is going to hit. And let us not forget um detroit remember detroit last year bandit the, the record was horrible you remember how many one score games they lost remember how many one score games they easily could have won well that's starting to regress back into the middle right they're starting to win some of these closer games now and yeah it is just a matter of time uh for kurt cousins in minnesota not saying they're a terrible team they're going to win this division i ain't laying twenty thousand, it, right, but they are going to win this division but they aren't winning this game here this weekend. Um, The regression is coming for Minnesota. The problem is, it may come too late in the season, which may screw them up come playoff time.
1: The Lions right now have won four of their last five games. They have Mm -hmm. covered in five straight. They covered in their first three football games of the year. The Fighting Dan Campbells are one of the best cover teams in the last two years in the National Football League, eight and four against the spread. A 5-7 team on a positive track to go over their preseason. Win total of six or six and a half, depending on when you got mm-hmm. that number. Their odds to make the postseason, still relatively long, obviously very long in the NFC North. Boy. Still plus 520. Tons of ground to make up, but the Lions trending in a very positive manner. Joe, some more quarterback news around the National Football League Yesterday, we got the confirmation on the type of injury for Lamar Jackson a PCL Mm. sprain in that knee where he exited in the opening half on Sunday at home against the Denver Broncos. The usual timetable set for something like that, according to the reports, one to three weeks. So, John Harbaugh's Mm. assessment that Lamar Jackson is week to week was a pretty stout one. And John Harbaugh saying that Lamar is, quote, less likely to play this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers in an AFC North showdown. I love the quote, less likely, doesn't really make a ton of sense, but hey, it's reflected in the number here, Joe, because again, like the Lions being favored over the Vikings, it's the Steelers, a two and a half point home favorite against the Baltimore Mm -hmm. Ravens. Joe, how do you assess this Baltimore team with Tyler Huntley, as the starting quarterback, a guy that we have seen be an admirable backup in uh, fill-in duty for Lamar Jackson and been sensational in the preseason as well. What is your assessment of the Ravens headed on the road to the Steel City against Pittsburgh?
2: Um, uh, Money is what I see, Ben, with this, because the Ravens are so unbelievably undervalued because of this uh and because of this injury that you are actually in a game ben that has a total of 36 and a half you are at a price point right now where you can tease this ravens team up to over a touchdown in a game that has 36 and a half points anticipated and they'll be lucky to even get uh that The reality is the Ravens aren't somebody that's going to throw the ball 50 times in a game, right? They're a running game. They're a running team. And didn't Tyler Huntley take over for Lamar last year for a nice stretch? And you know what they didn't have a problem do? running the ball the receivers aren't any better you still got Andrews as your main uh, target there Huntley is more than capable of stepping in and this Ravens team not skipping a beat now he's going to have a week of practice with everybody under his belt been there done that the overreaction in the marketplace is hilarious uh that if Lamar was in this game are we not talking a flipped line here are we not talking the Ravens being the clear favorite against the fresh sure. you know uh, against Kenny Pickett here in this spot now all of a sudden they're almost a field goal favorite cuz Huntley's in I'm not buying it I think the Ravens ton of value should be at least uh the bottom leg of any teasers you guys are putting together this week the Ravens should be the first team uh that you select
1: Joe we saw Tyler Huntley lead a 96 yard game winning drive where he scored exactly. the winning Touchdown. He is comfortable. Yes, Lamar Jackson is worth the points. He is, of course, going to move a number, but the offensive scheme for Baltimore with Tyler Huntley in there looks a very similar fashion to when it does with Lamar. Last year, he made five starts for Lamar Jackson, who was banged up all of 2021. The Ravens were just one and four, but their four combined losses, Jurinari, by a combined eight points in those four games they would have covered this two and a half point spread in three of the four the only one not in overtime against the Steelers week 18 when Pittsburgh needed a win to get into the postseason they lost in overtime 16 to 13 but Joe I find it fascinating again like we looked at with Minnesota being the underdog in this spot Baltimore the Mm -hmm. underdog of two and a half points in this spot against the Steelers The Ravens are still the odds-on favorite to win the AFC North. Minus 140 is that number. But the Ravens and the Bengals, Joe, have the same record right now. Eight and four. Mm -hmm. The only distinction, the advantage at the moment, is the fact that Baltimore won the first of two, I want to remind you, but the first of two regular season meetings against Cincinnati. So, Joe, although I believe Baltimore has value in the matchup against Pittsburgh, I think Cincy has value in the AFC North.
2: They absolutely do. I mean, nobody is playing as good as the Bengals right now in that division or a number of divisions here. They're getting better, and they also have something else happening right now, Ben, to keep an eye on. The second halves of Bengals games now, <clears throat> they are continuing to dominate, and it has everything to do with the D.C. and Cincinnati taking away whatever you had success scripted in the first half. He did this all last year, too, which is what wrote him to the Super Bowl He's doing it again this year. This Cincinnati team shuts people out in the second half and it allows Joe Burrow and that offense to do enough in the second half to win these games. They are unbelievably profitable against the number again this year. That's two years in a row. They are the single most profitable team against the number, Ben. You know why? Because the second half comes around they take they take care of business and they cover games they're gonna do it again this week and oh yeah they're gonna do it all the way to an AFC North championship once again this year
1: the Bengals and the Giants the co-best ATS records in the NFL nine and three against the number one of those two teams Joe in the AFC North who doesn't win the division will certainly be a wild card team we're looking for that final spot right now in the AFC the Jets have the best odds as they head to Buffalo as a nine and a half point <laughs> underdog this week. The Chargers and the Dolphins in a very good one on Sunday night. We'll break down a little bit later on. Jobinary, as you. always, you are the best. Have a ton of fun on in game live. Tonight, we'll be back on the morning after We're up next. in all of college football happens on saturday in philadelphia the 123rd playing of the army navy game it is going to be sensational we welcome you back to the morning after live right here on this wednesday all across sports grid now you know mark's you know from all of our coverage here on the spiz grid he is here on tma breaking down college football each and every wednesday he has Tons of names here on sports grid, including mouth in the south. But he is also Colonel Mark Zeno currently serving in the United States Army. So not only do we appreciate his expertise and insight in the handicap for the Army Navy game, but also his service as always. Mark Zeno, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here for the Army Navy game breakdown.
3: Ben, it couldn't be a better day or a better time of year. This is truly for as much as I love college football. And absorb all 15 weeks of it, this is truly the only game I emotionally care about
1: each year, and it is this one. You know Mark Zinno is going to be saying, and probably already has said many times, go Army, beat Navy. So Zeno, as Navy. we look before we break down this specific game on Saturday in Philly, we talk about the history, the tra- the tradition, and the pageantry of the Army-Navy game 122 all-time meetings so far this will be the 123rd Navy leads the series at this moment all time 62 53 and 7 the first meeting dating back all the way to the year 1890 so Mark Zeno how do you sum this up how do you describe the significance of the Army-Navy game to college football
3: well, look, in simple, it, it, it's, it's aesthetically pleasing, not a fun game to watch. But the pageantry and the patriotism outweigh all of that, right? Like this is the one game a year that the cadets and the midshipmen get together for that truly, uh, you know, they get their best chance to lay it all on the line. They go out there every other week and they play a football game and they love it. And these, these young men love playing the sport of football. But this is as personal as it gets for them. And this is what they – they don't care if they lose every other game. If if Army beats Navy for four straight years, those guys graduating and getting commissions will consider their four years of Army football a raging success. It's that level of competitiveness for both sides of these things. Same thing for the midshipmen. Uh, The first question you'll always ask somebody from West Point or Annapolis if they played football is – what was your record against the other guys and that's pretty much it now unfortunately this year the commander in chief trophy goes to either one of these teams because air force took that earlier on this year so uh there won't be a- any extra added little sprinkle of excitement on top of this whole thing but singing second as they say is ultimately the most important thing to both of these service academies
1: and as it goes and in a very intense rivalry on saturday but teammates off the field the rest of the way you know in my mind it's Part of the beauty, and one of the reasons I love college football, because this game really doesn't have tons of significance at this time of the year, as we'll have the Heisman Trophy ceremony on Saturday. We're already projecting out the college football playoff in the top four in the CFP semifinals on New Year's Eve. That's the present, right? But this is the history of college football. This is the pageantry of it all. This is the tradition that makes this sport so meaningful each and every Saturday And on Saturday in Philadelphia, the 123rd playing of the Army-Navy game. So now the breakdown of this specific rendition. As it stands currently, Zeno, Navy is a short one-and-a-half point favorite with an over-under that makes me smile ear-to-ear. 32-and-a-half is that point total on Saturday for the Army-Navy game. So, Zeno, first, from the spread perspective, because we'll get to the total in just a moment, do you expect this game to be as competitive as that one-and-a-half-point spread indicates?
3: I hope so. Uh, and I, I have to do this right now, Ben, is I have to don my cap. I, I have to put my Army cap on here to show you where my true loyalty lies here is with sure. the Army Black Knights. That said objectively, as a handicapper, when I look at this thing, there are a lot of things that seem to favor Navy at this point in time. You know, Navy may have started a little bit slower, but they're probably a little bit more battle tested down the end here. After starting out two and five, they've covered their last three. That was a 10 point loss to Cincinnati, a three point loss to Notre Dame, and an upset road win over UCF in their second to last game of the season. So Despite all that, they finished the season 7-4 and ATS, where the Black Knights were just 6-5. and You know, conversely, Army has more wins, and you could say earlier on this year they might be a little bit more battle-tested. But the problem for Army is their rush defense this year has been bad. Uh, They're averaging giving up nearly 200 yards a game on the ground, and that is worrisome. I mean, both of these teams are top 10 in the nation in rushing offense, obviously with the triple option. But what is alarming, again, is that that Army rush defense going up against a Navy uh, rush offense that averages 240 yards per game is, is a little bit disconcerting. Now, here's the interesting part of this, is that when you look at this thing offensively, uh, Army quarterback Tyler Tyler uh, – how do you say his last name? How do you say his name again? I, you know, it's, it's like once in a while you get you get up against these guys. Tyler uh, Tyler has thrown 16 passes this year for 300 yards. He's completed eight of them. That's 50%. That's pretty good last time I checked. If there's going to be a pass play, and there will be, both of these coaches will take a shot through the air. Um, It's more likely to be completed by Army, and that could help them. That could sway the game. Weather shouldn't be too much of a factor. It'll be slightly windy, but we're not expecting any rain. And I think that overall, if Army wants to open this thing up from a passing standpoint, that might be their best shot. If Navy gets an early lead because they can run the ball and control the clock on Army's defense, I have a little bit of concerns about how much Army can get back into this game. So, you know, uh, I'm rooting for Army all the way, but objectively from a handicap standpoint. Also, Navy's rush defense, allowing just 93 yards per game, um, could be a little bit of a problem for, for the Black Knights.
1: And we'll get to the game flow and what the script will look like because the Army Navy game any service Academy game looks different than some of the college football you all probably watch out there on a weekly basis each and every Saturday from that series trend perspective from 2002 until 2015 Navy won 14 straight in this matchup against the Black Knights of Army but then Army has won four of the last six last year Navy victorious. 17 13 and speaking of opening it up army did last year. you know they threw the ball for 108 yards and yes 108 passing yards in the army navy game is as electric as it gets so now we focus on that total it is 32 and a half again i grin from ear to ear you know when it comes to service academy football games since the year 2005 there have been 53 In total, as you include Air Force, who also runs the triple option, the same type of style Navy and Army do as well. Since 2005, 53 Service Academy games, 43 of them have hit the under. It is a low number on Saturday in Philadelphia for the 123rd meeting between Army and Navy. But will we see another under?
3: Well, also since 2005, Ben, this game hasn't gone over the total. For those math majors, that's 16 consecutive years this game has stayed under. Uh, it's it's an overwhelming number. 82%, as you pointed before, between Service Academy games stay under the number. Now, again, you're not getting, always getting totals here in the low 30s. But like we talked about last year, I remember sitting in the same seat doing the same handicap, saying odds makers are continuing to dare you to bet the under. And actually has been bet up early because this number opened up at 33 and half and it's now down a point. So we are sitting here looking at this. Here's the thing. Army's a higher-scoring team this year, averaging just under 30 points a game. But I think Navy, again, will neutralize them with their rush defense and not be able to allow Army to score. I don't think Navy has enough offense to get to 20 points in this game. But they could have a distinct advantage on the ground facing an Army defense that's allowing over 185 yards per game on the ground. So the real question is, will those yards turn into points? Of course they will, but in the Army-Navy game, it's like, you know, field goals feel like touchdowns, and touchdowns feels like, you know, uh, a, a, a double touchdown, right? Like it's just the way it goes between these two teams. So it will turn into points. It's just a question of whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. And oh, by the way, if there's a prop to bet a miss field goal in this game, do it. Uh, it's it's yeah. going to happen. One of these kickers will choke, uh, not just because they're kickers, but because of the pressure in the situation in the game. So I'm going to go under here again. This is, again, another 17-13 kind of game. Um, you know, if the weather was worse, I'm sure this number might even might even be touching 30. I will give some respect, though, to um, to, uh, to Army and Navy for having posting a higher total than Illinois and uh, Kentucky in their bowl game. So I think there's that. You can put your feather in the cap of that. At least it's not as low as those two teams for their bowl game. But I think you stay under here until you see this thing go over. Neither one of these teams gets to 20, if you ask me.
1: And it is not as low as the historic FBS total that we saw earlier this year. Iowa and Minnesota, 31 and a half, the lowest in recorded history since we started tracking those numbers in 1995. But Zeno, like you mentioned, not all of the Army-Navy game totals are here in the low 30s. In fact, as we look at the two games both Navy and Army have played against Air Force this year, the reason the Falcons have already won the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, those two totals, 40 and a half, 38 and a half. Yes, both hitting the under, but we're almost off by a touchdown for this rendition of Army and Navy at 32 and a half. You know, I think you bring up a great point in terms of the handicap of this game overall we already really know the game script right both teams running the triple option army is the second best rushing offense in the country averaging 304 rushing yards per game and they're running it on 83.4 percent of their plays the second highest rushing clip in all of the country navy the seventh best rushing offense nearly 240 yards per game on the ground running it on nearly 83 percent of their plays the third highest rushing play percentage in all of college football but you mentioned how navy has the fourth best rushing defense in the country army is well down there is that the biggest matchup advantage in your mind that favors the midshipmen versus the black knights
3: It has to be. I mean, if they're going to stick with the ground game again, we talked about it earlier with army throwing the ball uh, as much as they did. And in that game against air force, by the way, army passed for almost 90 yards, which I know it sounds like laughable when we say that, but you know, it's just sort of what happens uh, in a game between service academies. So, and they were close to winning that thing. It was an interception at the end of the game that uh, that sealed it for air force. And I only bring it up to say that if army wants to, if, 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 Jeff Munkin wants to get risky here and wants to turn this game on its side and really wants to put Navy at a distinct disadvantage. He's got to be able to throw the ball and be able to complete some passes here. We've seen this before from the Black Knights. Jeff Munkin is not afraid to try a trick play. He's not afraid to throw a pass when needed. It doesn't always have to come on a third down. But really, I think you look at more than anything – what the Navy defense does to Army's running game on first down. If you're constantly looking at second and nine or second and ten, uh, that three- or four-yard clip to get you to third and four, third and five, is going to be much tougher to do if Army can't get success on first down. And that's ultimately what it boils down to, because then you're putting the Army Black Knights in a situation there at third and seven, The triple option isn't going to cut it for seven yards every time. And look at third down conversions. The team that usually converts more of these things and keeps their drive going is a team that ends up winning this game. So I think Navy does have a distinct advantage with their rush defense, but how well Army executes on first down will really determine whether they can win this game.
1: When you see the triple option offense, plays are at a premium. Time of possession is at a premium. They are not operating in a no-huddle shotgun type offense. That's what allows a total of 32 and a half to still be able to hit the under in that range because each and every yard, each and every point especially is magnified in the Army-Navy game. Mark Zinno, I know you shared your thoughts on the handicap, but I hope for you it's go Army, beat Navy on Saturday and the Black Knights sing second. Mark Zinno, as always, thank you for your time and your service once again. We round out this opening hour up next We round out our opening hour together here live on the morning after on SportsGrid on this Wednesday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates here as well. Thank you for joining us all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. So, on this Wednesday, a big early morning of signings. Of course, Aaron Judge inks his deal to remain in the Bronx with the New York Yankees, nine years 360 million dollars but some big signings yesterday in the national football league as well the los angeles rams claiming baker mayfield off the waiver wire he is now headed to los angeles after being cut by carolina earlier this week he's in the nfc west There was thought to be this bit of gamesmanship, perhaps, between the Rams and the Niners, the two old friends and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan keeping Baker from going to San Francisco to help a quarterback room with an injured Jimmy Garoppolo. But is it all that big of a difference that the Niners missed out on the chance to get Baker Mayfield? That was the question we asked you in Fade the Public. So my mistake here is I sent this into our wonderful social media team. I meant to say who's the better NFC West quarterback right now, but I send that message very early in the morning. So it's who's the better NFC QB right now, but it still fits. Baker Mayfield or Brock Purdy. In most of the public, a good majority of the public, over 76% of the public, in fact, going with Brock Purdy. It's an interesting comparison here, right? Because we had this discussion yesterday after the Panthers waived Baker Mayfield. It seemed like his presumed home was about to be in the Bay in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo out for the remainder of this season, or at least most of the remainder of this season. But would it be an upgrade to have Baker Mayfield there over Brock Purdy? The public is saying no. I think the Niners are certainly saying no. They believe in Brock Purdy in the market even reflecting that a little bit as the Niners price once again to win the NFC, getting incrementally better over the last 24 hours. Our number two of the morning after is up next live right here on Sports